each of you. It's very good to be in your company this morning. Gateway Church gives uh, their greetings to you. As has already been said, I'm, my name is Tony, Pastor Tony Lucetto. Uh, uh, very glad to, to be with you. Uh, I think very highly of uh, Steve, Pastor Steve. He's been a good friend of mine. Uh, great encouragement to fellow co-laborer in the ministry. It's been a joy to get to know him uh, over the years. Uh, and so I'm uh, grateful, for, grateful for he and uh, his wife, Kate, uh, very much. So take your Bibles with me. And if you can turn to 1 Thessalonians, we'll be looking at the first 10 verses there this morning. Just by way of a little bit of introduction, Steve's teaching the uh, second chapter over at uh, Gateway. I'm teaching the first chapter of Thessalonians here, so it's helpful when you uh, jump into a book of the Bible to have a little bit of uh, introduction uh, to it. It's written by the missionary trio, Apostle Paul, a man named Silvanus, or Silas sometimes as he's known, and Timothy. They rolled into the city of Thessalonica, Greece, uh, about AD 50. Uh, Thessalonica is a Roman uh, colony, the capital city of Roman region called Macedonia. You can actually read about the story of the missionary trio rolling in there uh, in Acts chapter 17. So we're getting all, this, uh, all these details from. They went in and they, uh, over the course of just three weeks, just three Sabbaths, they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And a great group of both Jews and Greeks believed in Jesus Christ. And so the church was born. But you can read in Acts 17, they were immediately, these new Christians were immediately thrown into great conflict and great persecution for their faith. In fact, uh, a group, uh, many in the city uh, who refused to believe in Jesus as the Lord did not want that because they believed in Caesar as the Lord. Uh, they said, they've come here preaching another king besides Caesar. And so sometimes people will say that, you know, the gospel is not really about politics. It's difficult to square uh, with, with the gospel's witness when you read things like uh, the book of Acts. So a riot and a great uproar followed and to give you some of the summary, a great variety of sufferings brought upon these infant Christians, these baby believers uh, in the faith. And just as quickly as Paul, Silas, and Timothy had rolled into Thessalonica, they had to leave abruptly, overnight, uh, because of the great riot that was taking place. And Paul sent Timothy back to check on these brand new Christians to see how they were doing in their faith. Had they given up their walk with Jesus Christ in the midst of the great persecution that had fallen upon them? He got the good news back that they had not. God had held them fast in their faith. And so we pick it up. We begin 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'll read, uh, I'll read the, whole, the whole chapter, 10 verses together. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia, surrounding regions. Achaia is actually where the Corinthians were, for sake of reference. Verse 8, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere 
so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom you raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath of God. Amen. This is the word of our God. Thanks be to God. May God make his word live to us uh, as we have prayed. I hope to preach to you this morning about having a faith that goes forth. Having a faith that goes forth. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people have an approach to Christianity that kind of treats the faith like a model car that you park in the garage. I remember uh, one of the neighbors here in uh, Old Brooklyn, an uh, elderly gentleman, uh, served in the Korean War, give you kind of an idea of how elderly uh, uh, he was. Uh, we were helping him out with some things on his house, and as he felt like he could trust this, he brought us back to his garage, and he rolled up the, rolled up the, the door of this, of this garage, and he had two model cars, I think one was a, a Chevy and a Ford, 1950s. I mean, in pristine condition. I had never seen, uh, I didn't know metal could actually not rust after all the years. Uh, but in, in beautiful cars sitting in there parked, you know, and uh, really just had no idea. You would have never guessed that inside this garage, in the unseen, unseeming street in Old Brooklyn, there was these, these amazing model cars parked in there. But many of you have an approach to Christian faith that treat it like a model car that you park in the garage. You pull a tarp over it, you know, you don't want anything to fall on it. You block the windows because you don't want anybody looking in there uh, to see what you have. You might uh, you might walk in there, kick the tires every once in a while, and jiggle the keys and say, nah, I'm not gonna take it for a drive, you know? You take it maybe for a spin once a year, you know, and you forgot how to drive the thing, you know? You don't remember how to put it in gear because, you know, you haven't driven a, a manual transmission. Uh, people said, hey, Joe, you know, I forgot you had that car. You're like, I know, I kind of forgot I had it. Kind of forgot I had it myself, too. I had it, you know, just parked in the garage. Now, while that works for a model car, you, you can see pretty quickly from the Thessalonians that that, from Paul's letter to the Thess Thessalonians, that is not a model faith in Jesus Christ. Rather than having a faith that is something that you, for, you forget about or others forget about, Paul is thanking, thanking God for the Thessalonians because they have a faith that goes forth. The word of the Lord goes forth from them. They've got faith in Jesus Christ, as we've already sung about, as we've already prayed. They've got faith in Jesus, the one who died for our sins and paid for them with his very own blood. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 that God put Jesus forward as a satisfying sacrifice by his blood that we have received by faith. We know God our Father as just and the justifier of the one who is Jesus. That's what Jesus has paid the price for our sins. God has been able to forgive we who are sinners through faith in Jesus. We have been justified as ungodly persons by turning to Jesus, trusting in what he has done for us. And this faith, Paul says in Thessalonica, it's seen in their works of faith, their labor of love. The Greek word for labor is actually kopos, uh, which I don't know a whole lot of Greek because I didn't get my master's degree working on that still. Not as sharp as Steve. I gotta call him up. Tell him, you, can, you can ask him about it. I'll say, Steve, help me with this passage this week. I don't know. I don't quite know what it means. But copos sounds what it sounds like. Copious is where we get our word for that. That's where we get a labor of love. Love is so much more than a feeling, right? If you've had toddlers, it's a lot more than a feeling, right? <laughs> love is labor. It's work. You part of a church. Love is a lot more than a feeling. It's not just how we make each other feel because I guarantee you're going to run each other the wrong way. Uh, in a family, it's, it's tough. But the shared blood of Jesus Christ prevails, as I've heard another say. And so we labor, we labor copiously to love 
one another. They've got the endurance through hope in Jesus Christ. In other words, if you went into Thessalonica among the Christians there, you know the fire of faith in Christ has been lit because there is the heat, if you will, of all these obediences. It's not like the little uh, beautiful fireplace we have coming on the way in here, which is a wonderful decoration, but it's not actual fire, right? There's no heat, uh, right? It's not the actual light of a fire, but when we truly have Christian faith, there is the heat of obedience. There is the light that comes from the hope that I've been waiting for a Savior who's coming again. There are the outward evidences of faith. So yes, faith in Jesus Christ is personal, but it's not invisible. Amen? It's supposed to have uh, something that goes forth about it. So, uh, our, you know, the world without, and we can be honest, our own sinful nature within and wars against uh, the new creation that we are in Christ. We have these... Uh, we have other forces that want us to park our faith in Jesus Christ, like a car in the garage. It's been a bad week, it's been a bad month, it's not a good year. You know, we, we have pressures and things that make us, you know, that stage in life is difficult, you know. We tend to close in, we forget our faith is supposed to be one that goes forth. So, I think we see in this passage, just looking uh, briefly at these ten verses together, uh, we see the root of this faith, we see the fruit of this faith, and the future for this faith. So, first off, the root of this faith that goes forth. Where, what is it rooted in? What is the source of this kind of faith? Is it just us, ourselves, pushing this faith forward? Well, no. It's rooted in the God who loves us and has chosen us for himself in Jesus Christ. After telling them about his thanks to God that he gives, if you see at verse 4, Paul begins to write to these Christians about his confidence in them. His confidence, actually not in them, his confidence in God has chosen that. Verse 4, he says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. We know, brothers, or not like, we kind of think you might be chosen in love with God, right? He says, we know, uh, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. That's quite a statement for a group of people that Paul has only known for how many weeks? Three weeks. That's quite a confidence that he has in these believers. Uh, you know, in my church, those who are newer in the faith, those of the newer followers of Christ, people we've met as neighbors, uh, one guy talked to about Jesus over my fence line for like a year and a half before he uh, started coming to Bible study. I had to move, actually. I moved a few blocks away, and then he started calling me up and said, you still have that Bible study? So, yeah, I, I guess it's funny the way God works. You know, I moved away, and I gotta, I gotta come over for Bible study. Now, it's great. He's following Christ, and his growing daughter has become a believer as well, and she's bringing her children. One of the reasons to plant churches is because you reach people uh, who wouldn't otherwise be reached. But uh, those who are newer in the faith in our church will sometimes find that people persecute them for their walk with Christ, as they did at Thessalonica. They push them. They say, well, you have to, you know, uh, you have to be kind to everybody, even though, you know, because you claim this Christian faith. And, and some of these newer Christians in my church uh, have coined a phrase. They say, I'm new, which means you better watch yourself because I'm still learning how to walk with Jesus. And so I'm new at this. I'm not actually Jesus. You know, you might get more than you bargained for. Right. So yeah, here's Paul though saying to these new Christians that he barely knew, these who are new, they're still new in faith. He says they're loved and chosen by God. How can Paul say this? How can Paul give them this confidence? How can Paul tell these Christians that they've got roots that go far deeper than just the eye can see? Well, look with me again at, at verse at verse five. So he says, We know, brothers, loved by God, that he's chosen you, verse five, because our gospel came to you not only in word. But also in power. The gospel comes with power. It actually changes us. It actually saves us from sin. We are no longer held under the penalty of it. We know what it is to be forgiven by God. We know 
with it is to have freedom, no longer having to be the same old me. I'm becoming instead like Jesus Christ who lives in me. Uh, it came in power. It came in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit personally. Remember, we believe in Father, Son, and not just Holy Bible, but Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in his power is personally working in the hearts and lives of these, uh, of these Thessalonians. It came with full conviction. And Paul says, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. So the conviction here is not a conviction in the Thessalonians. The conviction here is that it was Paul in his preaching. That the Spirit was at work in Paul, helping him in the midst of great turmoil, in the midst of great persecutions, and not chicken out, but to preach Christ boldly. To say, yeah, Caesar is making himself out to be Lord, but Jesus Christ is Lord. And Paul, week after week, stood and preached this gospel with conviction. It's, just, it's, just, it's as if Paul could say, I felt God in all his power. Holy Spirit through the word about Jesus Christ reaching through me, getting a hold of you. Something was happening. And so Paul can say, I'm confident about who you are because I know who it is that brought you to faith in Jesus Christ. I know that you're chosen by God before the foundation of the world, as we just read. Because I've witnessed how God called you to faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. I know that God has loved you before there was time because I've watched how He drew you to Himself in time in history. Uh, it's kind of like uh, seeing a carpenter pick up a big old block of wood, right? He, he maybe started before that. He fells the tree in the woods. You need a lumberjack for that. Uh, we're going to stick with the carpenter, right? And he takes the big old gnarled block of wood and he drags it into the wood shop, right? And he sets it up on the table and you see him, you know, you hear the saw, you know, power up and you hear, you hear the, the, you see the sawdust flying around in there, you know, you see his steady hands and he is, He's bobbing it, you know, he's fashioning it into something new. How silly would it be to look at that block of wood and say, I wonder if the carpenter has any plans for that thing, you know? I don't think he really cares about that block of wood, you know? That'd be silly. He'd say, man, that, that carpenter has plans. He's taken hold of that thing, and it's going to be changed forever. And in, in the same way, uh, the reality of our faith in Jesus Christ, the fact that we have come to believe in Jesus Christ, it is evidence of the root of our faith. God has chosen us and loved us in his son, Jesus Christ. As we've read some of these passages of scripture already, Ephesians 1, he, he has loved us for no other reason than his own desire to love us. It doesn't have to do with looking for loveliness in ourselves. We're, we're not that lovely, if we're honest. We have moments of loveliness, but to the core, we, we feel dead in our sins. We still struggle with, with sins. But the reason that God loves us is for a reason that he finds in himself to love us in Jesus Christ, to adopt us to the merit of Jesus Christ, to say that through my son, Jesus Christ, I'm gonna adopt you as my own son and daughter. Everything that's true about Jesus shall be counted to you and true of you. Verse six and seven, following in the same steps as Paul, Paul says, you guys are imitators of this faith. You have the witness of the spirit that gives you joy, which doesn't make sense in the midst of suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the uh, astonishing thing. As they copied Paul, others began copying them. The copycats, they were themselves copying. Others could imitate their faith. So, again, the root of this faith that goes forth is, again, it is in the, it's in the amazing grace of God, paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Salvation is, is not a, I'm not thinking that I am coming to God on the basis of my own worthiness. That is the wrong root. That is the wrong root. It's a root that doesn't grow when we're trying to depend. Ourselves, trying to depend upon 
our own works, our own ability to clean up ourselves from the sins of a lifetime or just even from the sins of, of, of last week. But the root of our faith is in, is in God's free love, his grace for us in Jesus Christ, the, the life of another on our behalf. Uh, it's, it's not about the works that we do. Uh, that's not the root of our faith or right standing with God. It's about a willing obedience to what Christ has done for us. And we continue to trust that work. We continue to, to believe. We sing about the power and blood of Christ. And so is that the root of your faith? just ask you that this morning. Perhaps you come here this morning and you're trying to find God for the first time. You're hoping to belong to Jesus Christ. You hear the good news of the gospel this morning that though you believe you're trying to come to God and trying to find Him, God is the one who comes looking for us. And you're hoping to find a root perhaps in something you can do to finally make yourself acceptable to God. Can I tell you the good news of the gospel? That it, it's not about a work you can do, but it's about believing in the work that Jesus has done. God will, the root of your faith needs to be just God's free love and amazing grace for you in Jesus Christ. And he'll take you to himself as you believe in Christ as Lord, as you trust in his work on the cross for you, you will be adopted uh, into the family of God. And for we who have believed in Christ, we've got to remember our roots. How are you doing? You, how are you doing with remembering your roots when it matters most? When it matters most. The reason why Paul was writing this to the Thessalonians is because they needed this. This was a timely word. At the moment when, you know, the plant of their faith is being brained off with hail and persecution and all kinds of difficulty, uh, they needed to remember their roots when it matters most. How are you doing remembering that? Uh, don't doubt in the darkness of your trials this morning what God has done for you in your life. No matter how dark it gets, it doesn't change the fact that God has united you to your son, Jesus to his son, Jesus Christ. So, ask yourself as a Christian, how can I grow through what I go through? You're going to keep going through all, all manner of trials, but you have a root. You have a root of God's love. His calling you to himself in Christ. How do you need to grow through whatever it is you're going through? And know that your security is not about your strength. It's about that person of the Trinity we often don't talk about. Your security lies in the Holy Spirit, his strength at work in you. So that's the root of this faith. I want to move next talk about the fruit of this faith. So we know that it's faith alone that saves. But as you've probably heard it said before, the faith that saves is never alone. It's faith alone that saves, but the faith that saves is never alone. Now having a faith that goes forth is understanding not only the root, but what are some of the fruits of this faith? What is it that we're supposed to be producing? If God has taken me to himself in Jesus Christ, if I have planted as it were, in Christ, what kind of fruit am I supposed to grow? Well, first you see from this that uh, there's outward evidences. There's outward evidences of grace. There is works that are produced by faith. In other words, there's things that, because you believe in Christ, there are certain works that we that we do. Works, good works, which you prepare for him. Uh, doing some different things, doing the same things differently. Uh, there are Christian works that were given. There's the labor of love. We talked about there is a steadfastness that comes by hope. But in addition to evidences, there's also endurance. One of the fruits of our faith, having a faith that goes forth, is endurance. Uh, John Stott says that the, the gospel encounters hostility because it challenges human pride and it challenges uh, sinful indulgences. In other words, Jesus is not anti-sinners. Sometimes we get this wrong. But he is the Savior who is anti-sin. And so you're on one side or the other of Jesus Christ, either being saved from sin or loving sin. 
Jesus made this clear in the gospel, John chapter 15. He said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Sometimes we want to hope that we'll follow God, we'll follow Jesus Christ, we'll put to death sin, and everyone will love us for it. It's not how it's going to work. There will, part of the fruit of our faith is that in a world that doesn't want to love Jesus because it still loves sin, that we will endure persecution on account of that. We will be told that is not, that is not tolerable. You are not loving people. You, uh, your, your faith is, is wrong for so many reasons. It will say this is all the reasons why your faith can't have a place in the public square. This is why say this is how many reasons why we need to push you to the outside rather than allow you to be part uh, of just all the, all the things that happen in the world, right? And we have to know that if the world hates us, it hated Christ first. One of the fruits of faith is rather than shrink back uh, for our witness, we need to hold fast and be willing to endure suffering as the believers did in Thessalonica. It's not anything new that's been happening for, for every year. That, that the Christian gospel has been around. Now, thirdly, another fruit of the faith is the widespread witness of God's word from them. God's word from them. Look at verse 8. He says, not only has the word of the Lord, the word about Jesus, not only has it sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. Missionary Paul is thinking, this is great. These guys are doing my job for me. Like, you, can, you can sense that. I need not say anything. Now, the word of the Lord, he says, it has sounded forth from them. That's kind of why I've chosen to talk this morning about having a faith that goes forth. In other words, in Thessalonica, they didn't have a gospel whimper or a gospel whisper, you know, a, a little, little whisper about Jesus that doesn't carry very far and just kind of dies out. Paul compares, the fruit of their faith is, it's like a gospel thunderclap. You know what I'm talking about? Like the thunder in the middle of the night, and then like, boom, you know, and it shakes the house. And you hear an echo. I live uh, I'm on top of a valley there by the Brookside Valley. And so when there's a lot of thunderclap, I mean, you can hear it like thunder around the valley. And that's basically what Paul's talking about. That the word about Jesus Christ in Thessalonica was thundering forth from them. It wasn't a whimper that died out. It was a sound for Jesus that carried far and wide. They were so overjoyed by grace that they wanted others to overhear the good news of the gospel. They didn't get bored of grace. They were so amazed again and again at the grace God had given them in Christ that it, it thundered forth. In other words, they put the gospel on blast. Some of you guys know the song, you know, uh, what is it, windows down, radio up, or maybe it's radio up, windows down. I mean, they're, they're blasting the song of Jesus. Or if you don't, if you're not into blasting your radio, you know, how about you got you jumped in your car this morning? It was so cold this morning. You got in, was the first thing you did? <laughs> Crank that heat up, right? You know, like get the heat blasting in here. I mean, you didn't ask anybody when you got in the car this morning. You say, hey, uh, I didn't look over at my wife this morning. You say, dear, shall I turn the heat on? No. <laughs> I jumped in the car and I put it on max blast, you know, full full blast, right? And that's basically what I mean. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do with the word about Jesus Christ. He bled and died to take away our sins. He loved us when we were unlovely. He, he's loved us to the fullest. He, there's no reason to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Others say that's a shameful message. That is, no, it is a life-giving message that saves us from the power of sin, that cancels our sins, that frees us from the power of that. It's the good news that when we die, we believe in Jesus Christ, we shall live 
It's the message of healing. There's no need to be ashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Others who you share with, the people that God has chosen for himself, will bless us one day for telling them the good news about Jesus Christ. So, they had a widespread witness of God's word from them, and the last fruit, they had a widespread witness of God's work on them. Yes, their talk about Jesus traveled far, but do you see what traveled further in this, in this passage? The thing that traveled farther than the word about Jesus Christ was actually the faith of the Thessalonians in Jesus Christ. It's intentional. Paul said that. The word of the Lord is sounded forth in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth, what does it say? Everywhere. Your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. Their talk traveled far, but their, guys, it's our lives for Jesus Christ that ultimately travel even farther. Verse 9, they themselves reported concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. There was a holy gossip that was being passed along about them. Can people gossip about you guys, Church of West Creek? Can people gossip about me, uh, Gateway Church, Old Brooklyn? Can they gossip about our faith in Jesus Christ to say, you know, did you hear, did you hear about what happened to them over there? see the transformation taking place in them. They used to be dead in sins. They used to turn to temples. This would have been the people in Thessalonica. But they, you know, they used to offer themselves to things that were not God, to things that gave them no hope, to things that had no power. But then God opened their eyes to Jesus Christ, and they believed in the one who has power to save from sin. And they're not dead in their sins anymore. They are dead to sin. And they're, they're living with a, with a new power unto the true and living God. So guys, we have the same root as they did. I just want to encourage us. We can bear the exact same fruits that they did in Thessalonica. The same Spirit who called them to faith in Jesus Christ is the same Holy Spirit who, who for each of us here who's a believer to faith in Jesus Christ. We've got the same root in the love of God and the grace of God in Christ. It's our, we need to give our lips for Jesus, guys. Speaking of him, we need to give our lives for Jesus that people could say something something is different about you. What is it that's different about you? And, and be encouraged to know too that our lives live for Christ. It is it is a genuine fruit of the faith of our faith. It is making the kingdom of God go forward. Uh, you know, in Christ, I've said it, we're not just doing missions, but we are missionaries. So who is God sending you to? Who is God sending you to? Who does God have you influencing by your walk of faith in Jesus Christ? Might be the people across from you on the couch. Might be the children rolling around on the floor. Might be your neighbors across the street, your co-worker in the cubicle next to you. The ministry, perhaps, that you serve a part of outside of the church. Your faith in Jesus Christ is the instrument that God will use to lead others in his kingdom. I know it's you. I know it's you guys. Because he does the same thing with other believers over at Gateway. Uh, so I just want to encourage you in that. Uh, and you know, sometimes we need help. We just need help to have a, uh, a change. You know, the thing is sometimes we want to make a splash for all the wrong things. And a passage like this just recaptures our desires. It says, you know, the thing most worth making a splash for, the thing most worth living my life for, this is a witness for Jesus Christ. That is the thing that's going to make me most, uh, most joyful, most fulfilled. Uh, that, is what, that is what counts. So, having a faith that goes forth, we've seen the root, we've seen the fruit. Let me just close briefly. Let's talk about the future of this faith. 
Do faith in Jesus. We're working for God on earth, just like the Thessalonians. But do you see verse 10? Yet also that we are waiting for God's Son from heaven. As we work for God on earth, we are waiting for his Son from heaven. This is ultimately what kind of falls short in some of like the utopiaism things on earth, like you know, pretty much every politician's uh, uh, presidential campaign ever. You know, we're gonna make America great again, or we're gonna build it back better, whatever, whichever side you fall on there. It's all about like here, now, utopia, here, now. That's not supposed to be what animates us most as Christians. Politics are important. Talked about that a moment ago. It's political. There is another war. His name is Jesus, not Caesar. But yet, ultimately, we are waiting for his son from heaven. Jesus is coming back. And he, he's been raised from the dead. The, the future of our faith is, is we're waiting for the return of the Son of God. We have a bodily resurrection that we're looking forward to. That is amazing hope. That's not saying, like, that doesn't make us numb to the pain we have now or numb to the struggles we have now. That gives us hope in the pain we have now and in the struggles we have now that Christ is going to raise us from the dead. That's a lasting hope. And so we have a rescue in Jesus. When, God, when God's Son returns, there will be a righteous wrath poured out against all evil. He is going to put right all that is wrong. This is what makes God so good. And Jesus will deliver us from that wrath that is to come. You guys probably sing the song, What a foretaste of deliverance, how unwavering our hope, Christ in power resurrected, as we will be when he comes. So because your future, my future, is no less than a Jesus-sized hope, guys, our lives can be, can be no less than a Jesus-shaped in the present. Let your life be shaped by Jesus here and now, because that's what it's going to be shaped by forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this passage of scripture. Thank you for your, the work you did among the Thessalonians. Thank you for writing it down. We can look back and see how you chose them and called them to yourself in Jesus Christ. And by the cross that you saved this group of people from their sins and turned them into a people who had a faith that went forth. God, we humble ourselves before you. We know ourselves to be no better than the sinners of Thessalonica. Thank you that you have chosen us in Christ, loved us in him. It had to be in Christ, God, because we needed his perfect obedience. We needed his sacrifice for our sins. We needed his life to live to you that we too could be made alive together with Christ and now live to God. So help us please, in light of the great forgiveness we have and the great love we have uh, in your son Jesus, that we too would have a faith that goes forth. Let our lips be bold with the message of your son. May we live lives uh, confidently and, and full of assurance that you're going to use them to lead others to a knowledge of your Son. And help us to not be bogged down by just the here and now, but to live the here and now in light of Jesus who is coming for us. Let him lead the way in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name.